Before I start, I want to give you a quick update on Pastor Mark. Some of you may have heard, some of you may not have. Um, on Friday, he was at home and he slipped and fell um, and sprained his ankle, ankle um, pretty severe. And the doctors have asked him to, to be off of it for a couple of days. Um, so you guys know, I was already planned on preaching. So it's not the last minute deal like last time. Um, so if you're thinking, oh, we're going to get another good sermon since he didn't have much time to prepare. Sorry. Um, sorry for that. But uh, I, I would encourage you to be praying for him um, and be praying for our staff. Um, I honestly feel that that these are spiritual attacks. Um, one of the easiest ways that Satan can get to us is through uh, physical things. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen that with Jelana and, and a lot of the things she had with her foot, um, with, with Mark and with, with others, that I just uh, encourage you to, to keep us as a staff um, in your prayers. Um, I f- honestly feel these things are happening because our church is going in a new direction, and I'm excited about what God is going to do and, and, and where we are going, and Satan doesn't like that. And, and he's going to try to keep us going um, forward. In any way possible. So be praying for us. I may start wearing a suit of armor, so uh, so nothing happens to to me. But we'll see. Um, we are in our series. It, it all adds up. And this morning we're going to be covering those last two qualities: um, brotherly kindness and uh, also love. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, what better way to get definitions of what love is than uh, from kids who are ages four to eight years old? So uh, I, I found some definitions of when kids were asked, what is love? And uh, here's, here's what they gave. This is Rebecca. She's age eight. And she says, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis, too. That's love. Billy, age four. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. It's Carl. Terry, age four. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Danny, age seven. Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. Emily, age eight. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. (laughs) I had to add that on. Um, This is a good one. Bobby, age seven. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Nika, age six. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Kind of interesting, huh? Uh, Noel, age seven. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. (laughs) A few more, because these are good. Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends, even after they know each other so well. Chris, age seven, love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he is handsomer than Robert Redford. When you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. Mark, age six, this would probably be something that my son would say. 
Love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and she doesn't think it's gross. (laughs) And then finally, Jessica, age eight. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. So some pretty good wisdom from uh, from our, our little children. And uh, as, as we go into this series, um, you guys have been memorizing 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, right? We've been all memorizing it. And uh, I have it memorized, and when I, I talked to Pastor Mark this week, he said, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that because it's easy to have it memorized, but then when you get up in front of people and try to do it, um, it's a lot more difficult. And he's like, I have this where in my sleep I can be saying it. And I said, no, I got this. I got this. First service, I totally bombed. It was horrible. I, I was starting to quote it, and then when everyone else starts saying things, I, I, I lost it. So uh, we're going to do this a little differently. Um, we're just we're going to read it together if you have your Bibles. Um, I do have it memorized, but just trying to say it and hearing voices. Um, so I don't know if, if Daryl's here or not who puts our uh, services on, on the Internet. Please do the second service, not the first one. I don't want to hear have anyone hear me, me bombing through this. But if you have it memorized, um, please you know, try to say it. But these are great verses. If you haven't memorized it yet, spend some time memorizing, hiding God's word in your heart. And it's 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11. And uh, let's read this together, or if you do know it, say it together, starting at verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Let's stop there for a second. I just want to make sure you guys get what these verses are saying. You know, again, we, we read through this. You've heard this week after week. But, you know, through his divine power, it's given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's right there, and over and over again, too, you're hearing about the knowledge of God. You need to have the knowledge of God in your life. And that through these, man, you have his great and precious promises. How incredible that that through those promises, then, that you can participate in the divine nature, and then also, what, escape the corruption of this world. Incredible thought that that's what we have in God that we can participate in his divine nature and also escape the corruption in this world through his promises. All right, let's go on. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith and to goodness and to knowledge and to self-control and to perseverance and to godliness and to brotherly kindness for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, 
he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some incredible verses. And as we continue on in this, we're going to look at that brotherly kindness and and love. And and as I was thinking about the whole brother thing, um, it reminded me of the story of of Cain and Abel at at the beginning of the Bible in, in the book of Genesis. And these two brothers, I'm sure, got along, but I'm sure they also fought um, of course, no brothers, you know, all brothers get along. There, there's never a tension there, but, but they fight. And, and as the story goes on, I'm sure this was building um, with Cain, that, that maybe it was one of those, those situations where it, it seemed like everything Abel did turned to gold. You know, he did this, it went well. He did this, everything he tried went well. And it seemed like maybe Cain was struggling because all of a sudden he gets to the point where you see in Genesis chapter 4, 8 and 9, it says this. It says, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Okay, so it got to such a boiling point for for Cain that his things weren't being accepted. And he was so frustrated that he actually took his brother out to the field. And killed him. And it built up so much. And, but the thing I want you to get is, is the next question that, that God comes then and he says to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And, and just like last week when Pastor Mark talked about the story in Genesis and, and God came to Adam and Eve and said, said where are you? you know, God knew where they were. But he was asking that question, and it's the same thing here that he's asking Cain, where is your brother? Cain knew full well where his brother was. God knew that. God knew where his brother was. But he wanted to ask that question. Because maybe Cain had forgotten who truly his brother was. And that's something that I want, as we go through this morning, I want you to be thinking, okay, who is my brother? Because so many times it's easy to forget that. And, and, and to think, well, you know what, I'm not sure who my brother is, or I'm not going to look at people around me as my brothers and sisters. I don't want to do that, and, and we forget that mindset. And it leads us to not having the qualities that we're looking at this morning, the brotherly kindness, and also the quality of love. And as you look at the, the qualities again that, that come out of Second Peter there, we, we've gone through these. And, and last week with godliness, Pastor Mark stressed that, that this is seeking God with all your heart. And if you seek him, you are going to find him. Truly, and that's a vertical relationship. And, and that's where you have to start. And you're going to hear me say this a lot this morning. Sometimes it takes us hearing something a lot to have it finally sink in. But... That vertical relationship is where it starts. You have to be seeking God. You have to have that relationship with him in order for these last two qualities, the brotherly kindness and the love, to flow out of your life, the horizontal side of it, your relationship with other people. Those are not going to happen if you don't have that relationship with God, if you're not truly seeking him with all of your heart. And and why should we even do this? What's the point? 
Well, if you read on in those next verses right after verses 5 through 7, again, it just reminds us, it says, for if you possess, we just read these, but if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will help you keep from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's sitting on that knowledge that you need to know God. You need to have that relationship with him. And if you have these qualities, they're going to keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. And it goes on to say, if you don't have them, you're blind. Because if you don't have them, if you're not working on these, then you've totally forgotten why you're following Christ anyways. And the whole reason why you're following Christ is that he came to this earth and he died on a cross and he paid that penalty for our sins and we're forgiven. And if you're not pursuing these qualities, then basically it's saying, you know what, you're blind to the fact that that's why you're supposed to be following God anyways. Because the whole reason we're in this relationship with God is because he died for us. And he paid that penalty on the cross and forgave our sins. And so if you're not working on these, if you're not being productive with them, then he's basically saying, you know what? You're blind to this fact. You've forgotten that your sins have been forgiven. Remember that. And that's going to help you pursue these qualities and to add them to your faith. Now, I want to give you our key point to this morning. So some of you, if you want to, you can leave right after we do this. Um, I encourage you not to, but this is our key point for this morning. And we're going to say it together. Right? So on count of three, one, two, three, we are to love whom God loves as God loves. And, and, and this is what we're going to look at this morning based on these last two qualities, brotherly kindness and, and also love. And, and the first one is the brotherly kindness. And, and I want to talk to you about this because really I feel like the interpretation brotherly kindness that we have is, is a little bit ina- inaccurate of what Peter was really trying to say here. Um, The Greek word that he uses is the word Philadelphia, and that is another form of the word love. So, you know, it would be kind of weird if we were reading it and it said, and to your godliness add love, and to love add love. But he was really kind of getting this because he's going to use two different forms of love here. And, and I think brotherly kindness is kind of this nice, you know, I can b- do nice things to, for my brothers. There, there's other words that maybe could describe that better in, in the Greek. But it's, you know, kind of that goodwill that helps us do kind deeds to people or generosity. And, and it, sometimes we think of it as stuff we can do at a distance. You know, I can pray for somebody and kind of have that brotherly kindness. Um, I can, and there's nothing wrong with this, I can write a check for this charity, and, and, and that's doing, you know, those kind of things, but it's from a distance. And, and what Peter is getting at here with, with the form of using the word Philadelphia is, is that it's a love that is, is caring, it's face-to-face, it puts aside differences, like that says, it gets involved, it's personal, and it's practical. It's it's putting aside the, those differences and saying, okay, I, I'm going to love. And basically it's getting down to that it's loving whom or what God loves is, is a base definition of Philadelphia. It's that loving whom or what God loves. And if you look at Scripture and if you love the Father, then you're also going to love what the Father loves, right? And And... Who does the father love more than anything else? His children. 
And, and so you see from this that if I'm supposed to love whom God loves from this first part, then it's his children and it's all of us. And, and, and that's whom we're supposed to love. And that sometimes is difficult to do, right? Because people are annoying, right? So you, some of you may think I'm annoying and that's fine because I, I am. That's my wife. Um, I, I will admit, I, I can be an annoying person at times. Um, but this verse, when you look at it, and when you get to the, the root of, of what this word is, it, it's loving whom God loves. And God loves each and every one of us. And when you walk into this place and you sing songs that say, I love God, and then you sit here and you look around and say, I'm glad that person's sitting over there because I can't stand them. We don't do that, right? Or, or you make comments out in the hallway about people. And we'll see later on in the scripture that we're going to read further that those two don't mix. There's no gray area in that. Basically, scripture will say, if you say that you love God, but then you hate your brother... You're a liar. And, and scripture is, is pretty clear on that. And it gets back to that if you're struggling with loving people, it's not their fault. So many times, well, well, I try to love that person, but they're just so difficult. Okay, If you look at scripture, if you look at it, what it says, if you truly love God, you're going to love what he loves or whom he loves, that then that's an issue with your relationship with God. You need to go back to that. And where is your relationship with God? Because if you're struggling loving people, it's not them, it's you. And you need to see where your relationship with God is, because if you truly love God, you're going to love what he loves, or whom he loves. And that's going to flow naturally out of your person. The second part, quality, that we're looking at this morning, which is, and to your brotherly kindness, add love, is the Greek word agape. I think that's a little more familiar to us. Um, you, you may have heard that word, but we, we want to look at that a, a little bit deeper, too. And, and just up there on the screen, it's an unconditional love. It's an unprovoked love. It's decision before emotion. And what I mean by that is that before any type of feelings you have, you decide, I'm going to love this person. It's a choice. And this is loving as God loves. God chose to love us. It wasn't conditional, thank goodness. It wasn't, didn't have to be provoked, thank goodness. Because we'd be in a lot of problems if his love was conditional and it had to be provoked on our part. This is the kind of way that God loves, and that's loving as God loves. And, and when you, you look at it, he, he chose to love us. It was his choice. And the amazing thing is, is, you know, you look back when he created Adam and Eve, he chose to love them, and he chose to love them so much that he wanted them to be able to choose to love him. So he gave them that freedom to choose so that they could have that same kind of agape love, knowing full well that they may choose not to love him. 
knowing full well that then that would mean that they would turn their backs against him, knowing full well that that would mean that he'd have to send his only son to die to make things right. Man, that's a choice to love. And this verse is saying here, that's the kind of love that we need to have. You can't fall in and out of agape love. It's a choice that you have to make. You have to decide, this is how I am going to love somebody. This is what I am going to do. And, and so you're to that point where we are to love whom God loves as God loves. And, and how do you do that? I, I know when I was growing up, um, I love soccer. I, I played soccer. I still love soccer. Um, I attempt to play it, but being out of shape and bad knees, um, a lot of times it doesn't go too well with me trying to, to play, especially after 10 seconds being out of breath um, and needing a break. But um, I, I, I love soccer, but, but growing up, um, the, the person that I saw that was the greatest soccer player, and I still think he is of all times, it was Pele. And uh, you may have no clue who I'm talking about, but that's okay. All right, I won't hold that against you. Um, but he played for Brazil in the um, late 50s, 60s, and, and 70s. So you know, I caught him. I was really young on the end of his career, but, but just uh, you know, grew up trying to emulate who he was because I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be the, the soccer great that he was. I bought a book that had all of his drills in it, you know, making a little three-foot circle out on our driveway and trying to juggle an orange. And, you know, that's what he did for practice, doing different things like that, trying to gain all of that knowledge that he had from his skills so that I could be like him. Now, I didn't get to that point where I was as great as he was because he holds more records um, even that aren't broken yet today. Um, but I had to spend time in reading about him and learning about him and trying to do what he did to become like him. And, and it, it's the same with this, is that, that we are to love whom God loves as, God's, as God loves. Well, how do you do that? It's that whole knowledge. It's getting to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, studying and learning more and more about him through his word. And, and then that flows naturally because you start to find out that how he loves, as he loves. And as, as you have that relationship and you learn that, man, he loved me first before I made any decision um, about him. And that totally changes things. Why is, why is love so important? Let me give you a few reasons from Scripture, just from people who talked about it. Paul basically said that if you don't have love, if you lack love, you're worthless. Peter said, above everything, love each other deeply. John said, love is a sign you are born of God and you belong to God. Jesus said that your love for others is a sign that you are truly my disciple. Some pretty big reasons to have love in your life. Let me read those again. Paul said, without it, you're worthless. Peter said, above everything else, love each other deeply. John said, love is a sign that you are born of God and belong to God. And then Jesus said that your love for others is a sign that you are my disciples. 
I think, important reasons to have these qualities as part of your life. But you can't have these qualities if you don't have that relationship with God. Because if that's not there, then you're, you're not going to show love. And if you think you can, I beg differ. Because it's going to come out in different ways. I want to read some scripture to you that just kind of expands on, on this whole love idea and the importance of it. And it's in 1 John chapter 4. It will be on the screen, but if you'd like to turn there as well, you can. 1 John chapter 4 says this. It says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and he in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. And then we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Those are some tough words, aren't they? Because, man, people just grate you the wrong way. Yet this is saying, if, if I can't truly love them, then I'm a liar if I say I love God too. But there's some people that I just don't like. Isn't that the way God made us? That there's just personalities out there that we won't get along, we won't like, and so that's okay? Not according to this scripture. The cool thing about it, though, is if you read the, the first part of that, it says we love because he first loved us. What a great idea is that God chose to love us and that compels us if we have that relationship with him. That just compels us to love others. So even when it may be hard, if you're truly loving God and you know that he loved you first, it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. Sometimes do you have to pray for it? Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because there are people that naturally your personalities are going to great. I remember in college, there was a guy that almost everyone, uh, you know, not to be, not to be mean, he, he was annoying. Of course, I've said I'm annoying this morning, so I guess it's not too bad. Um, but people just couldn't, couldn't stand him. And, and he, he didn't bathe all that much, so he smelled bad. And, and he was just hard to hang around. And, and I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to start praying that God would help me love this person. And you know what? It happened. I actually started caring for him. Flip side of that, then he wanted to hang out with me all of the time. And it was like, okay, you know, I, God's showing me love for you, but let's not push it. You know, but but the, the thing is, is, is that that God will will help you in those times where maybe there's someone that you're struggling with. If you truly are seeking him, 
the godliness part. You're truly seeking him and having that relationship with him. Then the loving as he loves is going to flow out of that. If you love God first and foremost, you can love what he loves. And, and, and here's the deal. This kind of love will lead to equality, will lead to unity, will lead to closeness, and will lead to servanthood. And those are some incredible things to have as a person, but also as a group, to have those. And that's what this kind of love will lead to as you go through your life and, and you're working at him. But, you know, this, this big thing, though, is how many of you lied this morning? When you came in and sang the songs of God and said, I love you, God. And maybe 20 minutes before that, you were out in the hallway talking about somebody. You lied. Right? That's what the scripture says. Or you're gossiping about somebody, how you can't stand them. It's, it's, it's that whole, you know, the scripture, it doesn't have a gray area. And, and that's our challenge. And you may say, but this person did this, this, and this. I don't care. Because it goes back then to where's your relationship with God? That's what you need to be concentrating on because if your relationship with God is right, you're going to be able to love that person no matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing. Because that's what we're called to do. Love whom God loves as God loves. And, And here's the bigger picture that I want to challenge you guys on this morning. Is that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if he dwells in you, if he is part of your life, if you at some point have made that decision, God, I want to accept what you did for me on the cross, that your son died there, he paid the penalty for my sins, and I know that I'm forgiven, Christ dwells in you. Right? And he is there, and he dwells in you. And what that makes for you is that Whatever makes us different is way less than what makes us alike. Do you get that? Because Christ dwelling in you is the greatest common denominator than anything else. It doesn't matter what kind of music you listen to or what kind of worship music you like. Because whatever makes us different is less than what makes us alike. Whatever divides us is less than what holds us together. Do you get that? Because Christ dwells in you, whatever divides us is less than what holds us together. Because he is so much greater than anything. And that's the mindset that we need to take. But so many times we take that and we make it personal. We may have a difference, and it's just saying we have a difference, we still love each other. It's, well, we have a difference, and I can't stand him anymore. And we make it personal when it shouldn't be because there's a greater thing that we have in common, and that's Christ. And these differences shouldn't become personal. And no matter what, you need to realize that what we have in common is greater than what we don't. You may think your world's apart from somebody in their views, but if you both have Christ dwelling in your lives, you have more in common than what you don't have in common. 
And that's what you need to realize. That's what this loving whom God loves and as God loves is all about. As a church, that's what we need to realize. And as individuals, that's what we need to realize. Because I'll be honest with you, the last thing I would want is a church of everyone that's the same. That's not what God is about. He didn't create us all the same. Definitely wouldn't want more than one of me around here. I guarantee you that. But what we do have in common, which is Christ, is greater than any of our differences. And that should compel us to love each other as he loves.